Good morning. Well, good morning, everybody online. Um, thanks for joining us. Well, they say repetition is the key to learning. One, two, half of you were sleeping last week, and three, they're, perhaps they're big ideas. You know, when someone drops a new idea on you, you just need to marinate on it a little bit. So I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence here at all. Um, but I want to just review what I did last week, which is what, what I'm calling the stages of spiritual growth. And I didn't invent this or come up with this. Other people have studied this. But there's a reason I'm doing it. Listen carefully. The reason is, it's, it's the same reason that, you know, um, as Charlie was growing and is growing, you know, you, you've probably done this. You know, I got obsessed with like a website, The Bump. You know, and you read... At this age, she should be doing this and might be doing this. And it's okay if she's not doing that. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No one relates to me at all today? Like you, you, you are, you're wanting them to make progress. You're want, wanting to know why aren't they doing this or why are they doing this. Um, there is no answer for why they throw absolute temper tantrums. But uh, I'm reading. But you do it. Does it, anybody say this just makes sense? Because you just want to know how they're developing. Is it healthy or not healthy? And not many people with, with our spiritual growth, I have, I, I've never been taught this, I can tell you that for sure. They just assume like you're in or you're out. You just jump in and you know it all and you're there and you've arrived or you're a horrible sinner. And the reality is it's, it's much more complex than that. And we talked about Peter and Paul. We could go through a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of uh, do you like it here? Is this good? Okay. I guess I'll put it on the screen. Um, I'm going to use the color blue today. So, um, level one. The sponge. Remember this? Last night, I went to a sponge convention. The Fox Theater. To watch Sesame Street. There were 3,000 sponges there. I got a picture of Charlie. She just, for an hour and a half, she just went. Why do we call it? Oh, well, that's my term. They have other technical terms. But why do we call it the sponge stage? It's just because they're just soaking everything up. They're buying the whole thing, right? Um, they also call it a sponge stage because the Fox Theater's soaking you up. $30 for a picture with Elmo. I mean, it's, a double, it's a double whammy for sure. We'll get to that next week. All right. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sponge. Literal. Then they move to literal. Um, and this is where they just take everything literally. All right? And I used the example last week because I was talking about the baby in the bathwater and Tim's son thought I was literally going to throw Charlie out. He just took it literally. And that's what, that's what they do. Now, um, you could give age ranges to these, but more importantly than that, it's just to understand that this is how we all grow. None of us, this isn't better. One's not better. It'd be crazy to say, you know, you're a 14-year-old because he knows certain things about a man with a suit is better than your 4-year-old. They're not better. They're just, you're developing. And we all develop. And that's why I've been advocating for humility through the whole series. Humility is just like, 
I'm open. I could be wrong, or I have so much more to learn. This person has something to teach me. Not practice a lot in our society because you want to be right and win arguments. When you want to be right and win arguments, you have a different posture. But the humility posture is, but I have something to learn. And this is important because your kids, if you have kids, they're going to go through this. And this is important because some of you are going through this. Um, this is what I will call formal. All right? You might even call it institutional. This is where you take on the belief system of the clan that you're in. So you're just soaking it up from mom and dad. You get this very literal phase. And then this is, well, this is what our team believes. And this is institutional and formal. And you just take on, and, and, you know, if you were to put age ranges around here, this is like the teenage-ish years, although then they start to, quickly after that, they start to push away, all right? And this is, right, skeptical. Start to ask questions. Again, these aren't clean categories. Sometimes you're this and you're doing that and you're bouncing here and you're 20% this and 30% that. Does that make sense? You're going to have skeptical questions here. And, but this is when it just all comes full steam. Why this and why that? And what do you mean this? And they start to ask all these questions about God and about faith. It applies in other areas of life, but we need to study it as it applies to our spiritual growth. And here was my point last week. If I don't know if I made it super well or not. But when you get here... I don't want to put a percent. I'll just say most churches have nothing for you after this. Well, you can't ask that question. Well, I don't know. Just trust God. Very cliched types of answers. Just told you just, that's just the way it is. But you go to college, and they have to tell you things that are very different than you learned in Sunday school. Would this be true of anybody? I learned something different in college than I did in Sunday school. Okay, so they go, and then you go back to your pastor and you go, well, hey, and he goes, well, that's just, it's the Bible, which is a terrible answer. It's just a terrible answer. I don't have time to go through that. We did that a few weeks ago. So what they do is they say, just deal with it, just take it, just accept it. The Bible says it. That, has anybody ever heard this? If you grew up Baptist, you probably did. That settles it. That's a crazy answer. And all they mean is that just listen to the verses I point to, right? And I already talked about that. I don't have time. So there's, but there's another level, all right? And you would call this paradox, right? Paradox, a word we should use more. Um, also in the Scripture, mystery, mystery. The mystery of godliness is great. I think that's First Timothy somewhere. Mystery. That's to say you're not always going to understand everything. God's not always going to fit into the categories that you learned growing up. These, by the way, these are, none of these are bad. These are helpful in their time. Helpful in their time. We talked about kids need to grow up with more structure, and then it moves to freedom. We sang a song about freedom. What a great song. But you don't start with freedom. I didn't drop Charlie off at the corner at the Fox downtown. Kid, make your way. I'll pick you up in two hours. It's <laughs> not how you start. You start with what? Structure. Let's say it together. You start with? Structure. Form. And then it moves to formlessness. Um, a scripture? 
Jesus is talking with the woman at the well, John chapter 4. We're going to use this scripture a lot because this is where the series ends. I keep telling you where it ends. I shouldn't, but I'm telling you anyway. It ends with this. And, and the conversation is, is going on, and, it, and it's um, Jesus talking with this woman. And in their conversation, she misunderstands the nature of God. And, and she is in an argument because she's Samaritan, um, and he's Jewish, and they had a disagreement about religion. Go figure. This is the right church. This is the wrong church. You don't have to raise your hand on this one, but anybody ever get in a fight about religion with somebody? <laughs> Anybody ever like, but, but, I mean, it gets heated, and again, my team is right, and your team is wrong, right? And so this was, this was Jesus talking to this woman, and they were talking about, so if you were Jewish, you worshiped on this particular mountain, if you've ever gone to Jerusalem, right, where the temple is. But the Samaritans were worshiped on a different mountain, and they believed their, their version was right, right? You know, it's crazy, but back in the day, it was like, or, or you, you drive down Woodward, and it's, Here's the Lutheran church. Here's the Episcopalian church. Here's this. Remember that? Like, boom, 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 boom. Like in the 50s, that's how everybody lived. Go where your tribe is, right? And that tribe, they're wrong. I mean, wave at them, but they're wrong. Right? Everybody's team is right. So they're having this conversation. Um, and Jesus says to her, it is who you are, and, and this is a paraphrase, but I, but I love it, so I brought it out. John chapter 4, verse 23. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Are you tracking? How many said, if, what if religion was more focused on this? It'd be a good deal. Who you are and the way that you live, not what you know or what church you attend. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. Now let's... That's the kind of people, this is Jesus speaking, and again a paraphrase, but worthy of thinking about. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him. You know, be yourself. Right? What, ready? Now, I love this part. God is sheer being itself. God is spirit. Who's heard this quoted before? Remember hearing this. Okay. Just, just, just look. Um, one of the problems with the, the Bible says this answer is, as I talked about before, the Bible is not an owner's manual. I've heard sermons the Bible is an owner's manual. I was taught that. It's an owner's manual. But does anyone have an owner's manual? A thousand of them laying around somewhere. And you pull it out of your car, and it's an index. You look up. What do you do? You go, flat tire flat tire. So you look in the index. Are you with me? And flat tires are on page 27CK. Why can't they just have a page? But 27CK, you find it, flat tire. This is how, look, look, please look. This is how a whole generation has been taught to relate to the Bible. What an asinine way. What, is that, can I say that in church? Is that a, that's not a classified. That's a terrible way. That's a terrible way. It's not, a, it's not an index you look things up in. It's just not. So when you say, what does the Bible say about flat tires? You go, 
uh, 27K. It's a story. Are you with me? And it evolves and it grows and it expands. And God moves from this monarch in their minds, right? Because it's all in their minds and the way they understand it, to what Jesus taught us was what? Spirit. And 1 John, love. If you miss the, it's, it, you, you, you can't, you know, look up a movie as an index. What does it say about? It's a story. And if you just jump in the middle of the story and quote a little section out, you miss the whole thing. People thought of him this way. So you can quote all kinds of verse about God, about wrath, about this and that. But Jesus brought us something. And I'm going to be talking about, I'm already giving you the end away, the God of Jesus. The God that Jesus showed us. And so, people check out about here. It's about when they check out. About when the kids go to college. About when you went to college. Uh, this isn't lining up anymore. But the good news is, there's more. And I have a little video clip I'd like to show you, and then I'll come back. Chris, Helms. Fold back. Rotate. All there is to it. I know there are great gulf areas between us, Mac. You may not believe it, but I am especially fond of you. Mm-hmm. I want to heal that wound that's Grown inside, Jim, between us. There's no easy answer that'll take your pain away. No instant fix that's enduring. Life takes a bit of time and a lot of relationship. Relationship. Mm-hmm. You're the almighty God, right? He's over in his woodshed right now, covered in sawdust. Truth? 
Captain? I know that story. You left him, too. Seems like you have a bad habit of turning your back on those you supposedly love. I'm not who you think I am. He said it himself. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You misunderstand the mystery. Don't ever think that what my son chose to do didn't cost us both dearly. Love always leaves a mark. We were there together. I never left and I never left. I mean, I think I could talk about that scene in the movie, The Shack. I could probably talk about that for eight weeks. There's so much there. Um, well, there was a few things that I wanted you to pull out as, it, as I thought it related to this series and this message. One is the word mystery. You misunderstand the mystery. And it, to me, it is a person that's stuck here, trying to get to here. A lot of people get stuck here. They get stuck here for intellectual reasons. They get stuck here for, you know, educational ideas, concepts that people bring to them that don't fit here. And so they just, well, it's all nonsense. It's all God's all garbage. Or tragedy, you know, unexplainable pain. Um, I was talking with Vicky this week and I'm having her coach me through this series because it just kept expanding in my mind because it just brings up one thing after another and I said, you know, what should I focus on? And she goes, well, I missed last week but you were talking about the stages. I said, yeah. And she goes, are you going to explain to them how to get from one stage to the next? And I go, no, I don't have time. I got to do something else. And she goes, I think you should do that. So I won't go into detail but I will say this. Everyone that you, every stage that you're in, every view that you hold, because each, in each stage is a view or a concept of God, something brings you to the next level. Something breaks down in the current model that you have. And um, to, to oversimplify it, which it is, I would say there's a couple of things. One is I would call awe. It's more than education. It's awe. Something bigger, transcendent experience happens in your life. And the way you saw the world doesn't work. And the other one is suffering. If your way of understanding God is working, it's working and you stay there, it's fine. But something happens in your life that doesn't explain the way you learned it in Sunday school. It has to expand. And I think it expands to where Jesus taught, and actually, as I'll show you in Acts, what Paul taught us about God. And remember, Paul moved through this. He went here, 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 and man, he was killing it right here, the Apostle Paul. Right here, you could put Philippians chapter 3, if you're like a Bible thumper and you know all that stuff, right? I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I did this. I was first in my, he was West Point, you know, stud, 
right, of the Hebrews, right? He followed every letter of the law. I was a Pharisee. I, he was killing it until he met God. Isn't that something? Here's a guy that's crushing it in Sunday school, but still hasn't met God. And then his encounter, his vision, turned everything upside down, threw them all apart, and then he had to know God in a different way. Are you with me? So what I wanted to talk about today for just a minute is when you get here, I want to have a conversation and this is for the, the leaning atheists, I'll call them. Because you say, you know what they told me in Sunday school, what they said, what my mom said, it's all nonsense to me. I'm going, I'm going atheist. Right? I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about that option. Because it's always an option. Um, I'm not worried about it, and I'm not trying to win an argument. Because I know some pastors, they worry about it, and they pound and pre... I, I, I just think it's a phase. I think it's someone that's searching and they need something different to help them. And first thing I want to say is this whole struggle is okay. Um, sometime do yourself a solid and read Genesis, I think it's 32, where Jacob does what with God? Sits quietly in class. Huh? Never ask a question in Sunday school? Never raise your hand? Wrestles with God. How does that, what is that story about? How does that work? We don't allow wrestling. Can you imagine in the kids' world they have a wrestling match down there? I mean, they have them anyway, but you know, if we organized one? <laughs> so you're going to wrestle with God. Two things. First of all, look, everybody does. Everybody does. And those that say they don't, they're lying. They're lying to themselves. Everybody does. But I prayed for this, and, and this happened. It was a good prayer, and it was an honest prayer, and it was a sincere prayer. And so the model has to break down. But he, he wrestles with God. And listen, listen to how the story ends. In the end, God does what to him? blesses him, blesses him. Doesn't curse him and beat him down, blesses him. There's a blessing in this. There's a blessing in wrestling with God. And I think if we would, would allow ourselves to and allow our children to, we would find a blessing in it as well. But it moves from structure to less structure. It moves from form to formless. But then you get to Jesus, and he's not always following all of the rules. You've read about this. In fact, sometimes he's just flat out disobeying them. But if we take on the no God option, and if that's what you're considering, or you want to have a discussion with your friends or teenagers or your, you know, young adult. I just want to bring up a couple of things. Because sometimes what people do is they get here and they go, I'm just going to be an atheist. As if it's a default position. It's like a default. 
Atheism is not a default position. It's much more difficult than that. There is no purpose to the universe. There's no meaning to it. There's no meaning to your life. It has no meaning. So you can't just jump on and be a card-carrying atheist. You've got to take some bags with you. Bag one, meaninglessness. That's <laughs> a jolly one. Now, this doesn't prove the existence of God. I'm not trying to. I'm just telling you what comes with the... You have to carry this backpack as well. And if you think I'm making this up, go read the... Go YouTube, the, the leading, the, the, the Sam Harris, and watch these guys. They'll tell you exactly this. I watched Sam Harris giving a lecture. It looks like it was a Hilton, and people are eating dinner, you can tell, or lunch, and it's a luncheon, and he's up there going on and on and on. First of all, your life has no meaning. And all of this has no meaning, none. The second bag that you're going to carry, second bag, is that there's no free will. You say, Chris, I didn't really think of this as being connected to atheism. Again, I, I refer you to Google, to YouTube. Just go watch Sam Harris up there explaining to people, smart, intelligent people. And by the way, that cat's way smarter than me. So I'll just put my cards out there. Way smarter than me. But he will just go on and on and on. And here's, here's what it says. Everything's determined. They call it determinism. They have these big academic words for all these smart people. But basically what it means is you have no choices. Everything's determined. There is no free will. I did think it was strange because he is smarter than me, but at the beginning he said, I'm going to try to convince you of something. And I thought, why bother? If everything's been determined, why bother convincing anybody of anything? Another very famous atheist said, we do believe in determinism. He goes, but I, and all of us who believe it, he goes, but even though if we're having a con- an atheist convention and we're about to cross the street, I did notice everyone looked both ways. <laughs> There's things to think about. Atheism is, not, atheism is not a simple default position. And so here's what we've gotten to. Ready? We've gotten to, I, I don't have time, I could go into it in a lot of detail, but just, just, there's a couple of, just a couple of packs you're going to have to carry among many more if you want to be a card-carrying member. So you have over here this, the, this atheism that is incredibly difficult. And you have over here, <clears throat> I will call it a childhood view of God that's starting to fall apart, not providing the answers it used to. And all we're saying is, is there anything else? And I'm here to say, absolutely. What Jesus was trying to point us to, what Jesus was trying to show us, was a God at a whole nother level. He said, God is spirit. What this means, we're going to talk about, but let me just drop this in there. Before we had the, the new atheists, the, you know, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, you know, all these guys, um, 
There was a guy who died in 1900, Nietzsche. And some of you studied him in college. And people always claim he was like the first atheist, which I'm not a Nietzsche scholar, but probably is not true either. In fact, you can pretty much read, he said, I'm not concerned about the existence or the non-existence of God. But that's where you get the quote from one of his writings, God is dead. It's one of the characters in his book. It says, God is dead. Here's what I think. Ready? I think he was on to something that many people missed. The way that he knew God, the way that he was brought, so I started studying what he grew up in. He didn't grow up in Flint, right? He grew up in Europe, and I I didn't know this. I, I should have known, but when you grow up, in his day, when you grow up in Europe, you pay to the church. When you get a paycheck, right? I, mean, I didn't know this. I'm so ignorant. So, uh, how many you know this already? You grew up in Europe or you drum Europe? Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, first of all, let's just talk about your mood when you're paying your taxes in America. Your mood. Oh, this is great. I know they're going to just think and, and really pray, and, and I think they're going to be so deliberate over how they spend my money. Or are you a little like, anybody? Make you a little grouchy tax time. Come on, just stay with me. Do something for me. Now it's going to, this percent is now going to the See, if you grew up in America, you don't know anything about that. Ain't no one standing up saying church is free, brothers and sisters, if you grew up where he grew up. So first thing, his dad was a pastor. And his dad died when he was young. And he was expected to be a pastor. And he grew up under a system where religion, if you're paying with your paycheck, is it optional? It is non-optional. So the whole religious experience, the whole God experience, the bathwater, I, I call it the bathwater of Nietzsche's day, was first of all, nothing's optional. This is all what? Obligation. Now when you have someone put an obligation on you like that, what's your attitude? A little resistance. So what we have to understand if we're getting ready to separate the baby and the bathwater, which is what I think Jesus did, and which is what I think discerning people should do today, we have to start to understand, wait a minute, wait a minute. They weren't throwing out God. They were throwing out what? The perception of God in their day. That view of God is what? over. And, ready? It needed to die. That was under a whole other system of the monarchy, because this is the monarch God. And the people in power, by the way, where you had monarchs and kings and all of that, right? What's happening with that whole system? Is it being embraced across the globe? It's slowly what? Huh? Who's following Megxit? Oh, a couple of you. Oh, what are the Canadians going to do, right? It's just, it's all crumbling. It's, it's all top-down, authoritarian. God here, right? The monarch here. 
And now, Jesus, what does Jesus do with God? Look, oh, this is huge. What does Jesus do with God? Among us. God with us. Brings God here. Game changer. God with us. God for us. And God what? In us. If you miss the movement of the story, the sweep of the whole scriptures. I mean, maybe before I die, I'll try to do a movie about the whole story, you know, where you get the whole, because you got to get the whole story. It's a big story. But it, it, it moves from the beginning where God is perceived one way, and it just keeps, people start to wake up. They start to grow. They start to un- understand. Here, not only are you a sponge in the way you receive things, but what is your personality here? Completely self, what? Centered. Charlie didn't wake up this morning and go, Dad, how you feeling? She doesn't care. Are you with me? Does not care how I'm feeling. And she was really crabby today, which is why she's running around here, not in here. Really crabby and didn't stop all morning. And I just tried, come on, honey, be good. And I grabbed her like this, and she went, ah, my face. And I went, <laughs> Completely self, what? Completely. I mean, you, you know what I noticed the other day? I'm feeding her the way they, they feed Tom Brady on the sidelines at a football game. And you stand there like this. Do people stand there with a bottle like this in case Tom maybe turns his head? Please, honey, just... Grace me with, turn your head from Elmo, and I'll be right here with the food. In a minute, you turn. She goes, she has the wave off. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Get that out of here. Trying to watch Elmo. Okay, but Dad, I'll stand here in case you want. I mean, oh, please tell me when she's 14, this is not what I'm going to be doing, right? It just keeps changing. But look, self... you just start to, you just start to, that starts to go away a little bit, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. But knowing this can honestly, look, it can change everything. And you don't have to throw out the whole story. But you can know God in an intimate way. And intimate's a good word. And an institutional way is one way of knowing. And we go through that phase, but an intimate way is a personal relationship. Personal relationship. I can relate to God personally, and He can relate to me. And you don't have to come see your pastor. You don't have to get permission. It's intimate. It's Abba. And so the next bit of the series. I think I ran out of time today, but um, I want to explore the God of Jesus. What did Jesus, how did he relate to God, which was different from others and was groundbreaking? And again, you say, well, but that's how I do. But let me just fight with you for a minute. Perhaps not. Perhaps some of what we did is we bought some of this archaic idea because of where we were in our own spiritual development. 